I'm Ray Rogers. And I'm Brad Kepler. You're listening to Fix This, a podcast exploring tech ideas and solutions to some of today's largest challenges. For much of the world, students are heading back to school. And it's looking a little different this year. Whether students are in a classroom or tuning into lectures remotely, or maybe some combination of the two, the higher education world is in the middle of a period of rapid digital transformation. Solutions that are being deployed in classrooms and even at home on students' laptops are often powered by the cloud. We set out to learn more about these cloud-based solutions from two professors at the University of Notre Dame. Sharif Nijam is an assistant teaching professor of IT, analytics, and operations in the Mendoza College of Business. And Chris Frederick is a full-time faculty member in the Applied Computational Mathematics and Statistics Department. Sharif and Chris chatted with Ray about how the cloud is transforming the way they connect with their students. I would love to start just with a really quick introduction of yourselves. Sure, so my name is Sharif Nijam. Hi, and I'm Chris Frederick. So I don't need to really set the stage because I feel like we're all living it in real time and we can see it happening to students around the world. But all universities are trying to find that right balance when students are off campus, they're on campus, and Notre Dame has been able to quickly pivot between the in-person and distance learning models to meet students where they are. Can you tell me a bit more about what has really made this possible for Notre Dame? Sure. So one of the things that kind of is the foundation for everything we do here at Notre Dame is the sense of community that we have here. So that underlying sense of community and commitment to each other, I think, is critical to enabling our ability to take what we do in a very personalized, in-person, face-to-face kind of way and figure out how we can do that when the world has shifted, requiring some people to not be close to us. No, I mean, I totally agree. I think the community is sort of the, the central theme that allows us to figure out, well, how do you take something that is so personal when you're in a classroom and you can see each other and you can get a feel for each other as individuals and you can bring empathy into that, that that's obviously helping everybody with their learning. So it's not just about like the act of learning. It's also about how everybody's feeling and in the moment. Some of the things that, you know, make that possible are all of the technologies that underpin what we use every day to bring people into the classroom. So having people in the room and people following along at home, having the technology that lets them interact in real time, that lets them break into small groups. So recording a a lecture and having that as an option, all of a sudden, you know, a student who has to attend a job interview can participate remotely for the first hour of class and then catch up on the video after the job interview. So, you know, those kinds of things are what the cloud is helping us figure out as we figure yeah. out, as we navigate this path, you know? No, I totally agree. It's also the support that we have. Mm-hmm. It's more than just in a faculty member and the students, right? There's a bevy of other people and resources that go behind sort of the production of teaching and making that successful. And so that also has to be transitioned to sort of this online mode. So there's sort of a uh, what you would expect on the surface And then also sort of behind the scenes, the changes that need to take place and the support you might need in the classroom. Chris, you've been teaching online for a long time. Can you share some of the best practices? Absolutely. So I think that the the things that have really made a difference for me, obviously we're using video conference technology. So having multiple screens up so that I have the ability to have my, my lesson plans and what I'm teaching and my sort of guide on one screen, but on the other screen, being able to see those students in their faces if I see somebody who might be maybe not engaged or I can sense that they're frustrated, then I can actually send them a private message really discreetly, right? And kind of help figure out where they're at. 
And if I have other resources and support in the room, I can maybe give them what they need without necessarily singling them out in the class. You know, one of the things that has worked for the way that I was teaching it was trying to flip things around so that there was more discussion happening in the classrooms. Because if I'm just talking to you and you're listening to me, there's really not an opportunity after the class for you to have those other conversations. So there's no hallway conversation anymore. They just leave the Zoom room. So you need to have those moments when the students are able to connect and so you can still make those human connections. Those kind of moments create more energy between the students and between myself and the students. And that is important to build those connections and bridge them. Yeah, and it's important to not just leave the, the Zoom room yourself at the end of class, right? So stop the recording and then just wait. Because invariably, a student has a question that they didn't feel comfortable surfacing, even though they could do so, you know, in an asynchronous manner via chat, or they just are, are curious about something you said, or it might be something personal in nature that they, they want to talk about. You know, you have to be intentional about creating those opportunities for people yeah. because they're not sitting in front of me. I mean, absolutely. My, my favorite time is after class. Yeah. Imagine how strange it would be if in person at the end of a lecture before you're even done packing up your book bag or whatever you have with you, the teacher just yeah, leaves. That's right. <laughs> they, just, poof, they just disappear into a puff pop, pop of smoke and the students are, are just left, right? I mean, so I think that's the thing that everyone is nervous about when it comes to online learning. It's like, I'm going to lose that community, mm-hmm. right? And so if that's something that you can really help foster in even little things like staying after for 10 minutes, making sure that you're dropping your guard, that you're connecting with the students right on a personal level. That's, that's really important, especially online, more so online. Even if people are meeting primarily through Zoom for their lessons, there are still chances to connect with them and to kind of foster that deeper learning and spark that like innate curiosity between people that happens when they're in a room together, whether it's a virtual room or a physical room. And I mean, that's the whole benefit of the flipped approach is that they're engaged with the material before they get to class. So they're already actively thinking about it. Now you can kind of convert that to an experience, right? That's where they really remember things. Yeah. So speaking of benefits, of course, there are challenges that come with any massive shift that's happening. So as people are getting set up with online learning, there will be bumps, there will be learning curves and everything else. But what are some of the things that online learning can help us do better? For me, it all starts with data because once we've moved to online learning and we're moving in mass in like in a volume that we've never done before. So we're creating and generating a ton of information and a ton of data, almost like a digital exhaust of how students are interacting with all this material. And so that that information is really valuable because it means that different stakeholders can start to use that to help improve things. So for example, it can be as simple as If the student's engaging in the material at this frequency before this test, they're more likely to be successful. And if someone's not, that might be an indicator that some intervention could be be helpful for that student so that they can be successful in, in the learning outcomes. It also could lead to changes in the course design and all kinds of things. So I think data is is a big thing. And I think once people realize that, that's great. But that's not enough as far as I'm concerned to get people to like say, yeah, we should keep using this. I think it's going to come down to efficiency for other people like instructors. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, uh, you know, imagine giving a a paper exam that's 10 pages long to 60 students. All all of a sudden you have 600 pages to grade. Well, what the cloud enables is you can digitize that, upload it, and have AI applied to it so it pre-aggregates like answers, right? So you have groups of similar answers. So I just got half of my week back because it makes my processing 
so much more efficient, right? Without sacrificing the quality, increasing consistency in terms of comments that folks receive. The other thing that it enables is really a widening of the safety net around your students because what it lets you do is establish warning systems, right? Be intentional about how you design the curriculum so that you're doing low stakes assessments early. So you're getting a a feel for how students are engaging with the class. And if you only look at myopically the lens of academic achievement, you could be missing the fact that maybe they have a parent who is ill or there might be something else in their life that's happening. So this academic digital exhaust can get surfaced and distributed to folks whose job it is to, you know, look out for the whole person. Students, when they're on campus, they have access to certain programs and technology that they need to complete their degree. I'm thinking back, one of my close friends in college was an architecture major, and she used a lot of different modeling technology that she didn't have on her own personal computer at the time. How does the cloud help students still receive the actual tools and support in that sense that they need to continue their education that they might not have access to at home already? The cloud has a couple of different ways of doing a virtual application delivery experience that really democratizes access to that software, that specialized software that they might need, regardless of the endpoint that they're using. For example, AWS has a a technology called AppStream, which essentially delivers working software as a new browser tab, right? So all of a sudden, you have access to, you know, a piece of software that ordinarily might require a very beefy laptop or desktop in order to perform. Well, now you can run that on a Chromebook, right? So think about what that implication is to the overall cost of attendance. Instead of having to spend $2,500 on a high-end laptop, maybe you can spend $200 on a a Chromebook and still be successful. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. I think that, that, that this sort of hybrid learning is, is going to be stickier than people might expect. I think that there's going to be enough benefits that come of it, that there's going to be strong reasons to continue to offer, especially hybrid mode solutions. And so what that's going to lead us to is more inequality for the people who have access to the bandwidth and to the technology um, versus those people who might not be in a, an economic situation where they have the same same resources. And so we do need to make sure we're closing that gap. Virtual application delivery and the democratized, consistent access and same experience for people in terms of accessing content and applications, I mean, that can't go anywhere. Right? Yeah. Th- that, that has actually become instrumental in how we've designed a couple of courses. No, absolutely. I mean, the online delivery of our data science program wouldn't really be as effective without using cloud technologies like AWS workstations because we're able to provision a, a beefy machine that someone can access from a thin client without needing to have one able to provide a consistent environment so they can focus on what they want to do. It's really like an assimilation of a lab in terms of how it is is set up so that they can do this big data processing work that needs lots of RAM and lots of whatever GPU or whatever we might need. We have those resources available from the cloud. So that actually opens up new avenues for us to do it. Even things like, you know, we have a, yeah. have an assignment for, for one of my classes where they have to go through terabytes of data. Well, the only way that they can do that you know, that's not something you could practically do on a laptop, but it's something they can do very, very easy with Athena looking at data that's in S3. That's well, and then you can homogenize that experience so it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. what that endpoint is. Like that kind of thing is going gonna, is gonna to be around, I hope, as far as I can see in the future. Community. 
it's the connections made in the classroom, connections while chatting with professors, and connections that help students retain the lessons learned. Community is a word that came up a lot in our discussion with Sharif and Chris, and community, like they said, is really critical for student success. The skills learned in the classroom prepare students for life beyond university. So how can technology provide solutions for real blended learning, whether students are in the classroom or watching remotely? Dr. Amanda Broderick is the Vice Chancellor and President of the University of East London. She chatted with Ray about how UEL is approaching blended learning and using the cloud to provide innovative solutions for their students, no matter where they are. Amanda, we first met one another in 2019 when the University of East London was just entering into this strategic collaboration with AWS and announcing it broadly. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the goals UEL has and how working with AWS is helping the university to digitally transform The University of East London is the most socially inclusive university in the whole of London. UEL has more than 18,000 students, 15,000 at its London campuses and over 3,000 with international partners around the world. Uh, Those students are from over 160 countries, so it really is a global cohort. Our diversity is really our strength and we both reflect and serve our local community Um, and also communities around the world who want to actually advance their life opportunities. We're two years now into our 10-year strategy, Vision 2028, and this aims to increase not only the strength, but also the diversity of the talent pipeline. We have a career's first goal to prepare our students for the jobs of the future in a 4.0 economy, inclusively and sustainably. And one of the implementation pillars of Vision 2028 is our Digital First Transformation Project. This embeds seamless online and on-campus opportunities into our education, uh, across the university operations, and into the skills and competences of all of our students and our staff. And we're working with AWS strategically to actually deliver this as the students are starting to come back onto campus, come back to school, not everyone actually will be on campus. And so you briefly touched on it, but how are you integrating this idea of blended learning? So we we pivoted fully online um, when lockdown started, uh, the 20th of March in the UK. The University of East London already had a pretty strong technology-enhanced learning methodology, but, but universities are about place, um, you know, the campuses and the communities that within which we're located, the networks and the teams. Yes, that, all of the things that make the education richer, right? Yeah, the, the pathways between work and study. Uh, so we didn't want to lose the physical, but we still wanted to be able to draw on those advantages and benefits of, of the online. So what we have done is um, really reflected on this, the creation of a new dual delivery educational model. Blended learning is not new, but real added value to all learners is actually not measured as comprehensively as one might expect with with blended learning. And so that real value, um, increasing the careers first nature of our education, increasing the opportunity for networking, collaboration and feedback was really the starting point for our dual delivery model. And our dual delivery model means that our students can come onto campus, they can access their education online, and they can move between online and and on campus synchronously. 
And the synchronously component is what differentiates our educational model. So that means that we have integrated, connected learning cohorts, irrespective of whether they are on campus, online, or a mixture of both. Students who are tuning into a lecture from their childhood home, if they're spending time with their parents or elsewhere off campus, are still learning and interacting with the instructor and the rest of their class in real time. Absolutely. All of the lecture rooms are equipped with state-of-the-art technology. And those uh, lectures, those inputs, those educational learning opportunities are made available to those students both on campus and online at the same time. So it really is one synchronous learning cohort, which really builds on that collaborative networking and synchronous feedback opportunity um, that we really wanted to, 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 to be able to develop. With that careers first focus, it means that our education is by necessity a closely integrated world of on and offline. And actually, you, you can't and you shouldn't differentiate between those environments, between those networks of people that are working together. Can you tell me how the cloud is involved in this? How How is the cloud helping you to achieve this um, vision of synchronous learning? Gosh, in a, in a whole number of ways. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, let, let's, let's take you back to, to, to the lockdown piece. So first of all, we had to um, ensure that our virtual learning environment was accessible to our students globally. Uh, so we took our VLE, Moodle, into the cloud with AWS, as well as operating a number of other uh, related software. We also have some hugely specialist software that requires really quite intense computing capacity. And AWS really supported us to be able to take that specialist software and also to have the computing power to be able to support our students virtually rather than in the on-campus environment. And as UEL continues to evolve and meet student needs in new ways, can you tell me a little bit more about some of the other projects that you have in the works? One key project that really speaks to our career's first goal is our Track My Future project. Now, whether you approach university on campus or online or a combination of both, we really need to have a clear and curated gateway to all of our university services, um, but also relevant personalised information for students to be empowered about their own learning journey. And what kind of services are those, Amanda? Track My Futures supports students to access a range of services, but if I can just focus on three. Firstly, it provides personalised information about the students' own attendance and engagement, whether it's online engagement through their, their virtual learning environment or on campus. And it actually feeds that information back to the students themselves so that they know whether they are on track with their level of engagement in order to progress. And it also prompts with key hints and tips of how to actually improve their engagement performance and what likely outcome there would be if they achieve that. The second key benefit is the career passport. This directs students to our wide range of career services. It starts with a career self-assessment 
And then it directs our students through different career pathways uh, so that they can start developing evidence towards skills and competences that they would need for their chosen career path. This is in addition to their core university degree. The third key service is actually a daily health tracker. This is particularly helpful through the pandemic because it supports students and indeed staff in becoming more aware of uh, coronavirus symptoms. We're also using it to help support students navigate their timetable, both online and on campus. And it also allows us to track transmission rates, not only on our campuses, uh, but also in the wider community. So giving this type of useful data across the spectrum back to the students, I can imagine is so empowering. It helps them not only stay engaged with their coursework, but with themselves, their mental health, with their career track. All of that is so useful and something that I think college students around the world would really appreciate. How else is the cloud challenging the university to think bigger for its students and educators as student needs and educator needs evolve as you march closer to 2028 year? The opportunity of the cloud is constantly challenging UEL to consider how we can provide Um, more and more meaningful information back to our students to support their learner journey and how we can better match our services and our support mechanisms and the way we support collaboration and uh, our networking opportunities to be able to support our students' uh, career journey into the fourth industrial revolution and beyond. As university students return to campus this year, things might look a little different. Some will be interacting with professors and fellow classmates virtually, some in person, and some a blended version of in-person and virtual. The cloud can help universities digitally transform to meet students' needs today. Thank you to our guests, Sharif, Chris, and Amanda. To learn more about the future of education, register today for our no-cost webinar series, Imagine the New World of Education. The webinar series explores the challenges and opportunities that education institutions around the world face. Learn from education leaders, including university presidents, chief information officers, district leaders, and researchers, as they share their stories about the future of education. Register today at aws.amazon.com slash education slash imagine dash edu. And thank you for tuning in. If you liked today's episode, please help us spread the word by rating the show, sharing with your friends and family, and subscribing for more stories. We'll catch you on the next one.